three, two, one. This is the 10 Minute Times. I'm your host, Phineas Pambianki. And I'm your host, Thomas Crow. And this is the latest, the greatest, and the here to stayest of weekly news. Um, if you're interested in hearing more from us on more of a daily basis, you can follow us on all of our social media at 10 Minute Times. It sometimes is spelled with the one zero, and it's sometimes spelled with the T E N. Depends on if the name was taken or not. <laughs> but other than that, you can also sign up for our daily newsletter uh, if you go to 10minutetimes.com. That's 10minutetimes.com. Thomas, do you have anything to say? Well, I do have a little bit to say. This is where we normally would put our ad read if people wanted to have us read ads. And I know I know someone out there is pining for us to read an ad in this point. It's true. We have an actual audience. Uh, in the most recent full podcast episode, we had 276 people watch until the very end. Well, that's not too bad. So you hear that We're people, growing fast. 276 people could be getting your message for the low, low fee of we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Contact us at editors at 10 minute times. That's editors at T-E-N minute times to get into negotiations for them. Good, good ads. Oh, yeah. Well, call to discuss. We'll even do Raid Shadow Legends. Exactly. Absolutely <laughs> do Raid Shadow Legends. All right. So, Thomas, what's what are your big stories? What's, so what's been got, happening on your end? I've got a couple of big stories here. First of all, it seems that Bernie Sanders has become the de facto frontrunner of the Democratic primary. I think he is. Is that because he won New Hampshire, do you think, or is it just because of a general trend? Um, both. Yeah, Bernie probably Sanders both. has been building his momentum since 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and been going. I think 2016 was really his run for 2020. It really was. And people felt that Bernie was, uh, potentially rightly so, that Bernie was stolen the election was stolen from him in 2016 yeah, it could very well have been people but, said the same for hillary too well <laughs> that's besides the point yeah exactly. they're, they're talking about the the primary in the dnc and bernie has come out really strongly against not only the establishment republicans not only the big banks not yeah. only the big insurance companies and the pharmaceuticals but also the mainstream of the dnc mm -hmm. because he's looking at other candidates in his field like biden and Buttigieg, yeah. and warren and literally everyone else who's not him mm -hmm. and saying these guys are taking donations from huge corporate interests from millionaires and billionaires mm -hmm. and that is something that my base really doesn't like yeah so he's kind of cornered that portion of the democratic base the portion of the democratic base that is that is you know anti-big money yeah, yeah that is exactly. disillusioned by the the what they see as the abuses of huge money interests in mm -hmm. politics and in their lives as a whole and want to get that out of there he's yeah. the only one running on that message you know what i'm kind of curious about is uh whether the people who you know are more inclined to to burn uh, are more inclined to vote bernie are vote would vote for bernie because they believe in, you know, what he's saying. They believe in sharing their income to make sure a bunch of other people, you know, mm -hmm. you know, are uh, getting free stuff like education and, you know, other, you know, getting a bigger safety net per se. Yeah. Or if they're doing, if, or if they're going to vote for them be, or for him because they think they themselves would benefit more than they're currently benefiting under their current circumstances. And that's kind of what I've been wondering for a while is like, do they not believe that they could actually make it kind I, of a thing versus I, I don't think people are are so cynical that they believe that they are you know failures but for the good graces of bernie sanders i think yeah. they see these social structures that we have and say these are social structures that are designed in a specific way that mm -hmm. a specific kind of person succeeds 
Yeah, exactly. That's something that isn't going to benefit me. Maybe I'm doing incredible work. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm doing things that are really beneficial for the world. But and true, but maybe it's it doesn't have the money. money's not there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, a, a plant scientist at Cornell is making mm-hmm. not nearly as much money as some guy on Wall Street just going, yes, 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 yes. baby, yes, yes. investment banking. Let's so, go. And it, it's, it's I'm an aspiring deal maker, boys. Because I, I, think, I think the whole message of Bernie's campaign yeah. and the message of R.I.P. Yang's campaign. Yeah, pour one out. Is that sad? Is that the work you're doing and the work that you get, the the money you're making for your work, mm-hmm. aren't intrinsically tied to each other anymore? Well, yeah, they're. Well, I think that the what you're doing and the amount of money that you make is very intrinsically tied to because if 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 you're not doing work that anybody really cares about, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, should that be rewarded? Well, so my thing is, what what is work that people care about i guess it's like the, the, uh, if there's a if it's a problem that needs solving people will mm-hmm. and you solve it well people will pay you for it so then i then i look at a lot of green energy solutions yeah green energy solutions are a huge market but mm-hmm. they're not profitable really all that profitable well the reason why they're and they're, the reason why they're big markets is because it's great pr Legit, mm-hmm. like it's the it's massive, massive PR. I mean, like that's why British Petroleum recently came out and said that they're going to be you know carbon neutral by 2050 or whatever. That'll be Delta Airlines said that, that too this past Delta. week. That's like actually here's an interesting thing. So um, my girlfriend is are currently they, doing a research project, are they including all the people that they kill with their emissions as positive things in in their carbon bank. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I I'm just like curious as to like. You know, Delta said that they would be spending a billion dollars over the next decade to go carbon neutral by 2050. And Mm -hmm. by a billion dollars over the next decade, I think they mean by they're going to be investing in, you know, making airplanes more efficient and Mm -hmm. their routes more efficient and everything. But I think primarily what they're talking about is buying carbon credits, yeah, which is just the right to pollute more, which is, you know... There's another market for it. Yeah. You could probably trade carbon futures in like the next five years or so. But my thing is like, what it like, what do, carbon neutral just means that there are zero net emissions. Right. That doesn't mean that there are zero emissions. And so theoretically, if there are carbon credits that you can buy, you can just buy them. You know, it's like, it's a, but unfortunately, it's a different way of carbon I taxing. I don't know how you can redeem car- carbon credits. Be like, oh, Earth, I know you're about to die, but. We have carbon credits. No, please don't die. Well, yeah, my be, my be thing, habitable for another thousand years. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, get us out of here. Like, uh, get us out. We're, we're we're killing the place. To me, that's so defeatist. It's a little defeatist, but I think you know, if we kill this place, we move on to the next one. We kill that. It's sustainable. You know how many you know planets there are. Those in are the universe? literally, <laughs> literally the plot of so many science fiction stories. Mm-hmm. Those are the villains. Yeah, they Those are. are the villains, the people they that come in, are. consume all the resources, mm-hmm. destroy the planet, and move on. That's literally... It's true. But here's the thing. The problem, the problem arose when those planets had life on them. But you know how many planets don't have life on them? Not Earth. Uh, well, We've not got Earth, life. exactly. Well, that's the thing, and that's why Earth is special, and that's why I really hope that it doesn't die. But I'm just saying, stop killing Earth, go somewhere else, extract all of their resources, and come back. That certainly is an option. It's not, I guess. It's way more expensive. But yeah, the the bottom line is I think it's kind of, I personally think it's hysterical when I see companies say that they're announcing carbon neutrality in 30 years mm-hmm. because like, 
the political climate, the everything. Well, the whole, like, the whole principle everything of carbon neutrality. Change. The whole principle of carbon neutrality, though, is just a PR stunt. Because as you said, mm-hmm. they're buying these carbon credits. Yeah, it doesn't like, mean that oh, they're not us, polluting. We're, we're well, going neutral, that, but they're still they're, dumping they're toxic waste by... into rivers. And... Well, yeah, I think that carbon credits are issued by the government. Right. right? There's it's the a whole cap and trade. Yeah, there's a certain number per country. And then um, mm-hmm. based on that, they're... Theoretically, should be carbon, and while while it makes sense, like zero. While it makes sense that cap and trade is something that is a good step towards total carbon neutrality, Mm -hmm. I think that the whole principle of a company coming out and saying we're going carbon neutral should be viewed as nothing more than a PR stunt. Oh, it it totally is just a PR stunt, especially like right now. There's, Mm -hmm. I I mean, if you think about it in the grand scheme, like Delta investing a billion dollars, like throwing a billion at. Um, you know, even if they didn't buy carbon credits at all, they just threw a billion at making planes like more mm-hmm. efficient per se, carbon efficient per se. Like a billion dollars, if we're talking about research and development on jet planes, like a billion dollars costs like a thirtieth of what a seven thirty seven costs. Yeah, like that's well, seven thirty sevens cost about you know a hundred million. Oh, they're only a hundred million. They're or seven seven forty sevens are about a hundred million. Oh, okay. I thought they were like on the scale of billions, billions. Not quite. No. Oh, okay. Well, I stand corrected. Um, but my my thing is the like thing a is billion though, dollars isn't all that much with airlines in yeah. particular investing in more efficient fuel planes. Yeah, is that directly benefits them because then they it don't totally have to pay does. as much for fuel. Well, exactly. But they can still keep their prices high, mm-hmm. so they're essentially running a more efficient machine for higher profits. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So if you look at this on like an economic perspective, you have um, what's co- like the most common analysis of, mm-hmm. you know, doing research and everything like that is looking at the discount cash flows analysis. Okay. Which is essentially saying like, okay, um, what will our profits be this year, next year, the year after that? Like, let's say it'll take 10 years to find the research and make this more efficient. Yeah. They're gambling, essentially, that after those ten years they will have found a solution that is so much better that it's than worth it's all the money that, that it's they worth spend. all of that. But the problem is, um, and what people don't really think about is that like a twenty percent more efficient thing actually won't cut it. It has to be ten times better. Mm-hmm. Like literally ten times at a minimum better in order to make it actually positive and usable for the next like 30 40 years wow in order to for it to actually be worth it so like a billion dollars while it sounds like a lot it, it it's probably gonna have to be more i mean we've people have been trying to like especially the big oil companies too like chevron and everything like that has been um they've been investing in you know more f- like renewable energy sources for a really long time like since the 60s even and stuff and like technology um, such as solar and stuff really hasn't improved much since then like the solar bubble that happened around like 2011 2012 uh, the solar panels and solar companies were really only operating with products that were probably 20% better than the solar panels from the 70s yeah and that's just not enough like there has to be a really 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 drastic breakthrough and so nuclear. it's gonna require a whole lot more than <laughs> nuclear <billion>. nuclear <clears throat> nuclear Anyways, but it'll require a whole lot more than just $1 billion from one company. Yeah. This is kind of no, an looking, all-hands-on debt Delta, sort of thing. Delta had an operating revenue last year of $41.2 billion. Yep. That's pretty good. So, what, the, what about their net? 
Um, oh, those are operating revenues. Yeah. Yeah, let's check their profits. I don't... Yeah, I was going to say... It's I very feel, hard to find it with the simple Google search. They're being evasive about it. I was going to say, airline profits are not good. It's like, I think 2% on average. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like for the big four. And those are, you know, the ones with the biggest market share and everything like that. I think budget airlines actually may be more profitable. Oh, they certainly are. Yeah. In terms of percentages, because budget airlines skimp on everything. Well, they absolutely skimp on everything, but they're providing a service that is legit, like, sometimes 10 times less expensive than the other ones. Yeah. And so they end up stealing a lot of, um, they end up, like, would you rather go from um, Syracuse to, let's say, Raleigh? For four hundred dollars on United, or for seventy dollars from Frontier, like exactly, what, like come on, that's a no-brainer. Especially if you don't really care, like that's a three-hour flight, four-hour flight. Yeah, I'd be uncomfortable for four hours if it only cost me seventy bucks instead of four fifty. No, exactly, mm. and I, I think that's the calculation that people are. Exactly. Well, that's why it works. That's why it works. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, speaking of sex figures and numbers, what's going on in the business world? The what? The business world. The, the business world. Oh, I thought you said... I was trying to do a funny voice. It didn't land. We'll move on. That's okay. <laughs> so basically what happened in the business world in the last week, um, so there were some, there was some, you know, there's some SoftBank drama because SoftBank... SoftBank? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So SoftBank What did, what did my boy Masahiro do? Well, so Masahiro didn't actually do anything this time around. Wow, um, really? Well, he's benefiting from something, which is the T-Mobile Sprint merger. So uh-huh. um, back in... Uh, I don't even know. I think it was it was definitely earlier last decade or something, maybe even like 2007 or something. But SoftBank piled a bunch of money into Sprint. Oh, and that's right. They bought out Sprint. They bought out Sprint. And Sprint had been holding a bag of turd up until very recently when they were trying to get bought. By, well, actually, they've been attempting to be bought for you know, about a decade, actually. Right. They, um, what was this bag of turd, do you mean? So this bag of turd is like, uh, during the late 2000s, mm-hmm. um, there's what's called the subscriber race. And the subscriber race was a race between, you know, Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and a bunch of other carriers as to who can get the most share out of the mobile phone subscription market, especially after smartphones came out in 2007. And so T-Mobile... Uh, it was basically like AT&T was competing with Verizon, mm-hmm. and then T-Mobile was competing with Sprint. Yeah. And Sprint lost. Yeah. F. So uh, T-Mobile was, you know, T-Mobile skyrocketed skyrocketed to success under John Legere, their CEO currently, right. um, of, you know, T-Mobile America. It's, you know, it's parent company is Deutsche Telekom mm-hmm. and they were being real Deutsche bags last week I'll tell uh, you yeah <laughs> you, you planned that I you? totally <laughs> did I actually wrote that in my article too okay but anyways um the reason why so this is really good for SoftBank because a Sprint's getting bought out at a very good price its share price jumped 70 percent Wow. Last week. Wow. Yeah, now, that, that ain't nothing to sneeze at. 70% jump in like a day is like, boom. That's incredible. Especially on a big company such as Sprint-ish. And so I think the merger is going to go through. It got approved by the it judge. Did, it everything. did get approved. Yeah, it's got, it got approved and everything. But then Deutsche Telekom was like, hmm, we kind of want to renegotiate on this. And I was like, no, you stupid Deutsche bags. Like, especially when it comes to reneging on something, like that's, 
you know, with a merger of that size and the number yeah. of years that it's that it's been trying so, to happen. So to is boil it down good. is that Sprint and T-Mobile, T-Mobile is owned by Deutsche? Yeah, it's owned by Deutsche Telekom. And Sprint is owned by SoftBank. Yep. So these two are trying to merge their babies together yep. and force Make them into money. an arranged marriage. Yes. Um, well, not force them into a range marriage. Well, it's, it's, it's something. It's something the company. That, well, something that both companies want, especially you know, T-Mobile. What they would actually benefit is they would become a company that's actually comparable in size to AT and T and Verizon, mm-hmm. making their three big telecom players instead of two really big ones and two smaller competing ones. Yeah, that's the first, pretty much the it. first thing that flashes to mind is that just creates an oligopoly. oligopoly. It already was an oligopoly. I mean, it already was. Yeah, exactly. Is it, is it good or bad to have three versus two players in the big time oligopoly? Well, that's why New York and thir- and like twelve other states actually were They're like individually challenging. Well, they were individually challenging it, and then you know the Supreme Court judge is like, "Nah, you're good." Yeah, and so good. you know that kind of that kind of strikes down the other few. Yeah, no, they they typically in antitrust suits they just combine mm-hmm. them all into one lawsuit. Exactly. Yeah. Tip, well, what happened here is I know the the New York Attorney General uh, Leslie Jones. No, I don't actually remember her name. I think it's Leslie something. Um, but she was pretty vocal about it because she said that it would be bad for innovation, bad for employees, bad for customers, all that good stuff. And you know, in the long run, she's right. I mean, <laughs> I, I. I as an economics student, mm-hmm. I cannot argue with that assessment. It's absolutely true. But here's the thing is um, it's a little more nuanced. So in the in the next two to three years or so, Sprint people who have, you know, Sprint plans that are like leased plans essentially are going to get transferred to T-Mobile, no mm-hmm. raises in prices, no nothing like that for like two to three years or so. And then prices will probably move up. Um, and the people who are on Sprint's prepaid programs are actually going to be that whole prepaid business is actually going to be sold off to Dish Network because Dish Network mm. is trying to get into the telecom space. Oh, right, that was this, one of those stipulations exactly. by the Supreme Court, or the FTC is that they spin it off to Dish. Exactly, because Dish wants to get in on it, and so Dish is basically going to be piggybacking off of T-Mobile's network by you know renting it from them and mm-hmm. using this uh, using their prepaid business that yeah. they're selling off to them. So that's going to be something interesting. Um, if we're talking about number of connections and number of subscribers and stuff, this merger would actually jump T-Mobile and, and Sprint, or the new T-Mobile, to number two in subscriptions, behind Verizon and ahead of AT&T. Interesting. I know. Very, very interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the telecom market. Hopefully, I agree. Hopefully, Deutsche Bank doesn't back out of this deal. Yeah, that would be very it's unfortunate, especially for so someone annoying. like oh god. I think SoftBank shares jumped about twelve percent last yeah, week too. Yeah, but the poor poor Masahiro, he can't catch a break. Oh yeah, I mean thing, mostly due to his own idiocy. <laughs> yeah, well that's the thing too is like he he had two pretty major flops, uh, which are Wag, uh, the dog walking, you know, connection. It's I think Uber, but for dog walking. Uh huh. Yeah, that's like the most classic Silicon Valley line I could have ever said. It's like think Uber, but for XYZ. Think Uber, but, but for, for Uber. But for <laughs> Uber. It connects drivers to drivers. Anyways. Um, drive other drivers' drive cars. Drive other drivers' car. Holy crap. I Wait, I think we're on to something. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We're going to... Yeah, we're going to jump and ship real quick. Um, but then... Uh, oh, and then WeWork, obviously, is the other big yeah. flop. So Masahiro... Uh, well, then there was that thing we talked about the other week where there were the three... 
food delivery apps in oh, and they Latin America. All and they're all fighting each against each other. And they're yeah, all... exactly. Well, because when venture capital makes bets, they usually don't bet about a bet like you know they don't pit their babies against each other. Yeah. But it just so happened that they all expanded into the same area. Yeah. No, we talked so. about that previously. Yeah, we did. But yeah, check out so, that episode. I think at this point we're just going to run down real quick some of the more interesting stories the last week yeah and go for it yeah those are the big news that's the big um, thing for me one of the funniest stories is that mayor bloom uh, mayor bloomberg try saying that five times fast mayor bloomberg mayor bloomberg no. mayor bloomberg mayor bloomberg mayor bloom there okay, we go. i was screwing it up <laughs> <laughs> mayor bloomberg has been paying meme makers yeah he's been paying them to make positive mayor bloomberg memes it's so really that he can go funny. viral to be honest it's not a bad move not a bad move. that's actually but, what helps bernie more than anything else but once it was made to be transparent it's kind of sad <laughs> well no exactly i think that was the ploy too was it? that it would be made to be made transparent so that more people would know about them interesting mm-hmm. yeah currently bloomberg overall is polling in uh according to real clear politics yeah what are these numbers uh, according to Real Clear Politics, Bloomberg is polling. He's not in Nevada. What are the national polls? He's polling quite well. Okay. At third place. Third place? Third After... place. Under Sanders and then Biden. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's beating yeah, go Bloomberg. He's beating Buttigieg. Um, Pete Buttigieg this week got slammed pretty hard. So why did he get slammed? Go into that a little so, bit. So Pete Buttigieg won uh, Iowa, mm-hmm. and he was very close to winning New Hampshire. And then... One of the funniest things that I saw was the Pete Buttigieg platitude maker yeah. meme where it's like the blank of our blank is contingent on our blank. <laughs> it's like the fabric of our democracy is contingent on our unity. Oh my like, God. Things like that. That's all Pete it's Buttigieg mad, says. It's Mad Libs. Yeah, exactly. Yo. Pete Buttigieg's speeches are Mad Libs of Obama speeches. I believe that to be honest. Well, do they have similar speech? Oh, they probably don't have the same speechwriter. No, but Buttigieg has stolen his speaking pattern. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, personally. Mm-hmm. I So I've heard that one of the biggest reservations about Buttigieg is that he's somebody who just kind of has been ticking off boxes. People view him as kind of like a snake. I see. I see people see him as a box ticker. People see him as more conservative than Bernie, which admittedly he it, is. He is. I he's mean, taking donations from... Any sane person is. He's taking donations from billionaires. Bernie Sanders has explicitly said he's not doing that. I'm not taking... Any money from the billionaires. Yeah. That was my best Bernie. How was it? That was actually it? not bad. All right, I'll take it. Um, yeah, so, and then Bloomberg got smacked for his mayoral record. In yeah, particular, that's true. redlining and stop and frisk. Uh, yeah, stop and frisk, I knew it was a big one. Those are things that I think for the Democratic nomination are going to be hard mm-hmm. to play off. Yeah, I think so, too. But for a national run would make him a more attractive candidate, I yeah. think. Well, what I like about Bloomberg is, so I watched a couple interviews of his this past week, and I one thing that I really like about him is that he... He's rich. Well, I think that he's played, <laughs> you know, in all honesty, I think he's played the game right. Hmm. Um, so his main value proposition is basically, I'm not taking money from people. Mm-hmm. The problem is for DNC debates and everything like that, you need a certain number of donors, unique donors per se. But um, the reason why... You know, I think that's a little, you know, funky per se. But the reason why I like he the reason why I like him a lot is because I think he's done politics right, which is essentially the Ben Franklin model, mm-hmm. which is where you get rich doing something. <laughs> Oddly enough, Ben Franklin also got rich doing media. Mm-hmm. Anyways, besides the point well, Bloomberg but, didn't get rich doing media. Bloomberg Media came around after he was rich. 
Well, yeah, that's true. That's like a it was like a side project. But Bloomberg, his company, making financial like mm-hmm. you know trading instrument like not we're not talking financial instruments like derivatives or anything like that. He he makes like the physical terminals. Yeah, like he makes the infrastructure that allows people to trade uh, financial instruments. <laughs> yeah, another interesting thing that happened was. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't, oh, I'm I didn't sorry. Finish. No, I'm you're, sorry. Good. you're good. I'm just very excited about all this news. Oh, I'm excited too. It's it was a good news week. But uh, I think that he did it right in that he got rich and now he can say and do whatever he wants and is not beholden to anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not a mouthpiece for other corporate interests. Well, that's true. I would push back on the notion that you would have to be rich to get into politics. I would too. I just think like, you know, I don't think you have to be rich. But if you if you value um, your independence as somebody, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't want somebody to donate against your to your opponent next campaign cycle, which I think in the presidency is less of a concern than it would be if you're a congressman, right? right. But I think so. I think you know if if you're a congressman and you're taking money from bigger people, you're much more a mouthpiece for people than a president is. But I do think that it ends up being better for you overall it makes your job way easier because you only have you have that much less people to make happy mm-hmm. you know what i mean you don't you don't have to be watching out for interests in you know exxon mobile you don't have to be reaching out for interests in coke industries you don't have to be playing for you know um you don't have to be playing for like a bunch of big money that's trying to make you do certain things because yeah. you are the big money you don't need that. yeah no that's true that's and that's true. that's actually one of the messages that i liked about mitt romney as well i just i just can't see mayor bloomberg winning the nomination when yeah. it seems that the party has moved towards bernie the side of bernie sanders yeah i think i think so too but what i also liked about bloomberg is that he's like you know the ultimate goal here is to not have trump in office again because mm-hmm. he thinks that yes, he is the best man for the job, and I, I agree with him on that. But he definitely agrees that you know, if any of the other people were to be in office, they would do significantly less damage than Trump than has. Trump. Yeah, yeah, which I I totally agree with. I empathize with. I'm all for. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, that's a good transition into wow. Trump stuff. Segway. Uh, this week, Donald Trump had once again a famous Trump Twitter meltdown. Ooh, a Twitter meltdown. Yes. So I love national news on Twitter. History here. Guy named Roger Stone, one of Ooh, Trump's Roger fixer buddies. Who is fixer? Um, Ooh. he got in trouble during like the Herman whole... Trout. Yeah, kind of. Th- think along those lines. Ooh, that kind of fixer. I, not officially accused of actually killing anyone, hmm. but of course not. But he did get convicted of during the whole uh, Russia Mueller investigation mm-hmm. of uh, jury tampering. Really? Yeah, he okay, was so. uh, lying to Congress, obstruction of justice, and particular witness tampering. Yeah. Uh, there was a radio host that was going to testify, and he threatened him. He said, I'm going to take your dog. I'm going to fight you to the death. <laughs> you know, as somebody from New York, you could play that off as typical New York tough guy speak. That's true. But I say that all the time. technically a death threat. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so he was convicted and recently sentenced to a recommended seven to nine years in prison. Whoo! You see, here's what I love. I don't understand how people support Trump because, or, you know, support Trump in his inner circle because they should know sooner or later they're going in the can. Like, well, I mean, right? when you do illegal things, you win stupid prizes. That's true. And I think the big issue is that people have this cult of personality of Donald Trump. And yeah, they're not so willing too. to say, 
Trump chortle my balls. Yeah, no, they definitely won't. They they can't say that. Well, they can't. For fear of him actually chortling their balls. Right. Yeah. Well, to be entirely fair, when Stephen Colbert... <laughs> in I love Colbert. A while ago, back when he was on the Colbert Report. Yeah, exactly. During the whole birther thing. Didn't he have thing, Trump on? He didn't have Trump on. Oh. He had him on the report. Mm. Or the, on the, the... Late show? Late show. Mm-hmm. But on the report, he said that because Trump was offering Obama... Five million dollars to release his birth certificate. Yeah, that's said, right. Donald Trump, I offer you a million dollars if you let me dip my balls in your mouth. <laughs> Wait, oh, is that Colbert who said that? That was Colbert who said that. I think I remember that actually. I remember like watching that when I was in like middle school or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. so so that would have been a scene. Attorney General Barr uh, looks into the the charges and says, "No, that's too much. Seven to nine years is ridiculous. These charges typically." Uh, Wait, did Obama do it and get $5 million? No, Trump didn't. Oh, Obama no. didn't do it, and Trump didn't do it Boo. either. But that's an easy $5 mil, boys. That's the easiest $5 million Well, it was to his make. satisfaction. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but still, $5 mil is $5 mil. So, so the seven to nine years are because of a principle where if you witness tamper and threaten their life, mm-hmm. the combo of those two results in a much higher punishment than yeah, just witness sense. tampering yeah, or just threatening like someone's life. Exactly. Point. Exactly. So because of that, he was given the 79-year recommendation. Mm. A.G. Barr says, no, I mean, he wasn't really threatening his life. He was just doing tough he guy talk. He was just saying, yeah, 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 I'm from New York. Um, and so he, he says, no, I'm not going to go with the 79-year recommendation. I'm going to go with a much lesser sentence. Okay. People came out and they're like, Barr, that's... BS. Barr, were you pressured into this? Trump tweeted out, Yeah. I pressured Barr into doing yeah. this. Yeah. Barr that's comes right. out and he's like, Bruh, I did what I thought was right in this case. <laughs> I, I'm a oh, servant of the law. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not for sale here. What yeah. are you talking about? And Trump was like, I'm the big, I, I can pull all the strings. I did, contr- I did indeed control him in this one. Yeah. So, I did indeed control him in this scene. Of course, huge controversy over that. Mm. Which ultimately is just pure it's another, insanity. Like, yeah, bang my head against a goddamn wall. If I had the horrible, horrible job that I thankfully don't have, mm-hmm. but if I had the horrible, horrible job of being the press secretary, yeah, of I was about to press secretary. I would quit. Yeah, I would too. I, well, yeah, I would quit. Actually, I, I'd never be in that case. Well, yeah, well, I would probably never be in that situation, but I'd probably start a Twitter, mm-hmm. start tweeting bad things, get fired, and then keep tweeting bad things because then I'd have a job on Twitter. No, that's true. Pretty much. That's true. All right, anything else you want to run through real quick? That's literally it for me. I mean, the, the that's all we've got? Yeah. Besides that, oh, Japan's GDP came out the other day, and I think it's like down 6% or something well, because of the coronavirus combined with Shinzo Abe's like bad bad decisions shinzo abe is one of the most insane economic leaders yeah, yeah he's of just the 21st like well, century. bold of you to call him a leader in economics he's certainly yeah. something i mean the man has this tendency yeah. to simultaneously push incredibly progressive and incredibly conservative levers at the mm-hmm. same time it's true and, and it, yet he has this surprise pikachu face when his economy stays flat yeah ex- exactly <laughs> yeah you know what i am going to raise taxes and lower interest rates it's like nothing happens. <laughs> People have the same amount of money. What do you? you yeah, ah! exactly. it just inflates the currency. You've done nothing. Yeah, it doesn't do anything good. Uh, Anyways, that has been the ten minute times. We hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Tuesday. And yeah, yeah. Signing off for now. Signing off for now. And don't forget, if you're an advertiser or 
anyone else, contact us, us at I editors mean, yeah. at 10 yeah, Please have a nice, healthy discussion with us at editors at 10 And if Indeed. you're interested in hearing more from us, go to 10minutetimes.com and check out our daily newsletter. Don't forget to smash that like button. And subscribe. Leave us a comment. Subscribe. To subscribe. Our, if subscribe. we get 40,000 likes, we're absolute. doing a gift card. <laughs> Bitch slap. I can't do this. Bitch slap that notification bell so that you get all of our latest notifications. Are we turning into YouTubers? Well, we have a YouTube. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening, guys. Mm -hmm. You guys have a good one. Cheers. Bye.